Today on Dare to Develop, we're so excited to have Erin Bridgman with us. She is a money and business coach for creatives, and she's going to talk all about daring to use your business to build personal wealth, something that I feel like a lot of wedding creatives can definitely use. It's so easy sometimes to make money in our business, but then we don't know what to do with it. So stay tuned for so much good information. You're listening to Dare to Develop, a podcast for creatives. I'm Christine Herman. And I'm Ashley Baumgartner. And we are two hybrid wedding photographers that dub ourselves work wives. With a passion for developing community and daring to take risks in business and art, we want to bring you along on a journey. The journey of artists, makers, business professionals, and more who want to level up their businesses by daring greatly and developing community. So let's get started. Today on Dare to Develop, we're so excited to have Erin Bridgman with us. She is a money and business coach for creatives. We're so excited to hear from you all about daring to use your business to build personal wealth. Thanks so much for being on the podcast with us, Erin. I'm so excited. Thanks for having me. So before we get started, Erin, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and then we'll dive into business. So I live in Indianapolis, Indiana. So shout out to your listeners from the Midwest. And yeah, my life today, wow, it looks so different and fun and full. Yeah, every day is really different. So I wear the hat of owning and co-owning two different companies. So my Aaron Bridgman company, um, doing all the coaching and well, helping women become wealthy and scaling their business and their wealth is half of what I do. And then I spend the other half of my time with my the real estate empire that my husband and I have been building and we have a business partner. So that's been taking about 50% of my life. I'm in charge of all design, staging, a lot of the high end strategy. We did, we purchased 85 homes last year and our goal this year is 180. So it's a multi-million dollar company that definitely (laughs) scaling. Yeah. And then on top of that, you know, outside of my work, I I'm a mama to my sweet baby girl, Ava, who just turned two and such a, such a fun phase and expecting another little girl. And yeah, we live in a really fun neighborhood in Indianapolis and just get to enjoy life with friends and adventures. We just bought e-bikes. Oh my gosh. So I'm literally in my third trimester, like biking for an hour and a half, having the time of my life. So you never know what we'll be up to. And Brett and I have a philosophy of working hard and playing hard. And so I try to live that out in my life. That's so fun. And so let's dive in a little bit. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey into your business? Yeah. Well, like how far do we go back? But, you know, I've had an entrepreneur spirit since I was a little girl. I always kind of had this ambitiousness and this creativity and this willingness to lead and take risks. And like, I guess my first step into that world was when I had to pay for college and I did door-to-door book selling. And oh my gosh, people, I could tell lots of book stories, book girl stories, but you know, I did that for two summers and I learned a ton about sales, a ton about mindset and problem solving and it, it was a wild ride and yeah I mean that's a t- the hardest part of sales you can possibly do the cold calling literally <laughs> having on doors having doors slammed in your face 
And in my deeper work with people one-on-one, I get into sales strategy and things like that. So I feel like that foundation really helped me. Yeah, but then I opened my first company with my husband in 2012, and that was a photography business in the wedding industry. And I'm obsessed with weddings. I I would still shoot to this day if my husband would, and if I ha- could like multiply myself, <laughs> I would still like cry at the wedding, like be so attached to my bride. It was so fun. So yeah, but Brent and I did that together. We had a photo and video business that we quickly scaled to six figures. And at the time I was also working in higher ed, had a, I was getting my master's, working a full-time job, doing a lot of things and knew that that wouldn't be my forever. And transitioned into a a brand that was me, but a bit different. That's when I started coaching. So that was probably just over five years ago. And at the same time, back then we were starting our real estate stuff, very, very small compared to what it is now. And yeah, so that's my roots. And I love like talking about that and talking about our roots because sometimes I feel like if we focus just on what, oh my gosh, 180 homes and multi-million, all this stuff, it can feel so like not relatable. Yeah. Well, I feel like my story is so relatable and it started with one house and it started with, you know, a $50 photography gig and I've just grown it since then. Love it. So what was that kind of bridging moment that you went from being a wedding photographer to being a coach? So if you're from, are you guys familiar with the Strengths Finder assessment? Do you know what that is? Yeah. So I became a coach, certified coach in that, and kind of being in higher education, I was using it in more of a university. I was I was in the you know helping students their in the career field, like figure out what what career they wanted, and doing some teaching in the classroom with that. And I just really believe in that philosophy of focusing on your strengths and understanding who you are and all that. And I knew that like. The direction of coaching was where I wanted to go. I didn't exactly know like what that would look like, but I remember one distinct time where, and one of my strengths is futuristic. So I'm always visioning and thinking about the future, strategizing towards that. And I remember just kind of being on my bed and journaling. It's a big way I process. And I was like, what's next for me? Cause I could kind of feel that, you know, it was, it would t- I was expanding and growing outside of what I was doing. And I started just like journaling and journaling through my strengths and like why I would be a great coach and why I would love it. And at the same time, my business was scaling, my photography business. So people wanted to understand like, how did, okay, like how did you become successful in business? And so that's kind of how like seeing my strengths, being certified as a strengths finder coach, having built my uh, successful business kind of just naturally started to go into coaching. And back then my brand did a lot of different things. I was not niched like I teach people to be now. And, and every transition, right. We'd make risks. And I know you guys love talking about God and daring and doing all that. And, you know, I always say you pull the boat closer to the dock before you jump and there's transition periods. And at that point, my photography business had scaled enough that I could kind of use the extra space and capacity in my life to really like grow the coaching thing while the photography thing paid my bills. 
And that's kind of just been how we've done it, right? Then it was my business that supplemented some of the real estate stuff. And then the real estate stuff cut, like kind of was able to take off and things like that. So I guess that's kind of how, how it all evolved. Yes, I love that. And can you tell us a little bit more of what you do in your business to help creatives? Yeah, sure. Well, throughout the years of coaching, like I said, I've been doing this for five or six years. You know, I, I, my evolution of coaching has changed and, and has morphed. And I saw a very consistent pattern and need with particularly creatives around money and around numbers, around that part, right? Because as I attract a lot of creatives, being that that's my roots is being a photographer. And now I do, you know, interior design and staging and all that kind of stuff. And I have that part of my brain. I mean, I totally get the creative and how we work as um, creatives. But oftentimes when it comes to data and spreadsheets and numbers, as I was coaching people, it was this really scary, challenging thing that I was finding myself being like really excited about, passionate about creating tools around. And so I was like, this is a really deep need for for women and you know many times you know like we fall into business like we have a hobby that we love that we start charging for and we love doing the photography or we love doing the calligraphy and that kind of thing but the business side feels really intimidating and so I believe that if you're going to be a successful business owner by definition you have to be able to understand your money and your numbers, or you're not running a, a business or a profitable business. It's just a hobby if we're not making money, if we're not tracking numbers, if we're not doing all of that. And I attracted a lot of creatives, like I said, and, and people who wanted to make more money. And then, right, and so I, I help people scale and do pricing strategy and sales strategy, all this. But I found that if I was working with somebody who you know, was making, you know, 50K in revenue or six figures, or sometimes I got to coach like millionaires, you know, this was a consistent thing that the money mindset, the way we think about money, our worthiness around money, our stories around money, our limiting beliefs and blocks and our management around money was a consistent problem for very successful people. It was like the skeleton in the closet that nobody wanted to talk about. And I feel like money can be that type of a topic. It's like, could be like talking about sex. Like, oh my gosh, we don't talk about it. You know, and if we do, it's like, we talk about it super vague. And so I, I just have this really deep passion that I believe wealthy women will change the world. And we know statistically that women are more altruistic with their money. And I believe the transformation that we walk through in the way that we shift our thinking and the way that we show up and our confidence and our worthiness and all this helps us to be women that are making big change in society. And so, yeah, that's where, that's what I really focus on. And I'm happy to go deeper into um, both the money mindset and money management and like my approach on that and even some practical things for your audience. But that's kind of how I got there and, and what I currently do with people. I love that. So what are some of the, to dig deeper, some of the common limiting beliefs you see creatives have when it comes to money in their businesses? Let's dive into a couple of them. Let's just get, get into it. So 
Okay, so one of the really consistent things that I hear women uh, and, you know, creatives in particular say is that, you know, I'm just not a numbers person. I just, I don't, that's just not me. And it's this label and this excuse that really isn't serving us. And like I said, if you're a business owner, you have to know the numbers. You have to be comfortable with that. And so, and, and I think there's different reasons why we say we're not numbers people. It could be that we're afraid of what we'll see. It could be that maybe we have a complex relationship with numbers, whether, you know, a number on a scale has defined us negatively or a following on Instagram, or we have this toxic relationship with numbers. Maybe it's that we don't have the tools. We don't have the actual, we don't know how it functions. Like our brain doesn't quite click into like, what do I need to plug in and plug out? And like, how do I make sense of it? Uh, so maybe we don't have the right, the right tools. Maybe we think it doesn't matter. We're getting by. So like, why stress ourselves out about it? And the truth is, as I always say, that you are not born knowing math. You're not born understanding how spreadsheet works. I mean, we don't even count when we're born. And so it's a skill that we can attain. Just like at some point, you're, you, if you're a photographer, never knew how to shoot in manual. And you learned how. And so I love to just like call that out on people and be like, hey, Stop with that excuse because it's preventing you from reaching your potential and reaching your next level of wealth. And let's just say, like, I'm in the process of learning how to be a numbers person as a business owner. That's critical. So that's like a, I think, a huge a block. And I think another one that is just super consistent among women is this conversation of worthiness. And I see this creep up. It, it surfaces in different ways, but it's often the root of why we don't charge the pricing we should charge, why we don't pay ourselves a consistent salary, why we won't spend the additional money on ourselves personally, you know, those uh, types of things, why we won't outsource certain things is it really comes down to this conversation worthiness. And I think sometimes particularly with doing work that we love. So we've known maybe what it look, feels like to grind and to do work that's like really draining. And then we get to find ourselves like, I get to like get paid to take photos or to plan events or do calligraphy. And it almost feels like now it feels like that's not a fair exchange. And, and what's the belief behind that is like, I'm not worthy to be paid for something I love or, you know, money has to come to me really, really in hard ways. And so those are some top level ones as far as like worthiness and excuse around not being a numbers person. And um, in the work I do, I um, love to help people identify their money story. So we dig into both the strengths of your story and the challenges and how do we kind of drill out what you're, what are you currently limiting yourself around in money and how do we rewire that and change that? And then I also do the sacred money archetypes, which gives us language around how you behave, how you're motivated, how you think around money. And those are some particular tools that I use to help people with their money mindset. But those are some things that I think come, come to mind right away for me. I love that. And so Say a listener is listening now and they're like, I need to start this process. I need to 
help my limiting beliefs, what steps would you give them to start? Mm, I love that. Well, I think, and I talk about this in day one of the workshop, but how we think determines our actions, which determines our results. And I just want to say, like, for those who are listening, if you're identifying, like, hey, I, I have this repeat belief that let's just say like one of my beliefs that I've had to work through is that it's really hard to make money like you you I I work I can make a lot of money but it has to be with like a lot of effort yeah (laughs) yeah the hustle hustle grind which is a limiting belief right and so you know and what is that generating what is that feeling generating and then what is it producing in me the results and stuff and so I love to say, let's like deconstruct the thought and what is the new way we want to feel around money? What is the new belief? And this is the great, amazing thing about our brains is that, you know, we can actually change our brains. It used to be thought that only children could rewire their brain. Once you became an adult, you kind of were stuck with what you had. And so doing this work, like I would love for people to kind of like, what were my earliest memories around money and what have been like consistent, like beliefs I've had that have been both good and bad and just doing that awareness work around like, okay, what have my roots been in my, what have I been holding on to for 20, 30, 40 years around money? That's both good and bad. And then with the good, let's put it on repeat. Let's amplify that, you know? And then with the things that aren't serving you, let's change the thought. So if the thought is currently, I have to work really hard for money, it's it's a really big hustle, you know, and you're wanting to move to this belief of like that money can flow to you and it can come to you easily. Maybe you create a new statement like, wow. I have seen like, while I know I can hustle and work hard, I also am believing in the possibility of money coming to me more easily. And like, notice in my language, like I'm believing in the possibility of money coming to me more easily. It's not this like crazy money will flow to me easily and freely and just come into my life because we have to like, our brain has to believe it. Like it's gotta be like a 51% belief, right? We know when we're being phony. And so the more and the more you say that, the more and the more you are expanding that belief, you're focusing on it, and then you're going to see that come up in your life. And so we know our brains are wired to naturally like keep us safe. And that's just like our innate, like right back, if we look at prehistoric, like humanity and stuff, like we had to fight the animals and we had to, you know, we had to stay safe and our brain is designed for that. And so often we'll look for the negative. It'll look for the hardship. It'll see the, uh, it'll see the money challenges. It'll see like, see all these people who are saying no to me or see how I keep getting these unexpected tax bills or this and that, right? Protecting us. But we want to see the expansion. So um, focusing on that new belief and putting that on repeat. Okay, so now I'm believing in the possibility. So now maybe we're like looking for those possibilities as we keep putting that on repeat. 
then we're like, maybe we're noticing every day, wow, today, like this happened and this connection happened and that gratitude and that posture of like focusing on that positive energy will expand in our lives. And so, yeah, I just like talked a lot, but I hope it's really (laughs) helpful. And one of the exercises we do in the program, in my intensive program is I've created like a whole abundance tracker and manifestation tracker. And we write down every day the money that comes into our world. And so we focus on the good so that we allow it to expand. Introducing our sponsor, your film processing experts, Photovision. Photovision has been a family-owned business since 1968, and we both use them as our film lab for personal and professional work. PV has been a part of my film journey since 2015 when I started shooting film. I love how personable and knowledgeable their team is. When I get my film scans back, it's like Christmas Day. They've helped me grow as a film photographer, assisted me in comparing scanners, and include helpful tools such as exposure reference sheets with scans so I can tell what adjustments I should make in camera next time. Yes, since I've started shooting film, I've turned to their educational Instagram and blog to learn more film tricks and love that they're always available to answer questions. Lately, I've been loving their new offering, Everyday 35mm Film Scanning, which includes proof prints. I've been sending in a lot of personal work, and getting the film uh, prints in the mail of my little is just so fun to have a tangible representation. Everything about working with Photovision is seamless, from submitting our orders online, getting scans in an easy-to-use platform, you always have the scans on your phone, so nice, and even ordering film. Yes. And as longtime Photovision clients, we cannot recommend using their lab more. And they've been so generous to offer our listeners one free roll of their signature process and scans using the code DARE to DEVELOP, all caps. Make sure to check the show notes for more information. I love that. Do you use affirmations, mantras, anything like that with your students? Yeah. You know, one of the things that we do in the free, in the free workshop is like kind of just talking through a little bit of like, here are common limiting beliefs and kind of contrast them. And I talk through kind of a little bit more in depth about what I'm talking through now. And then Yes, like inside of the journal and things like that, we're digging up different parts of like getting more personal and then putting affirmation statements on. We create like a whole money vision board. So we do like that visualization work around money. Yeah, we create, yeah, we create affirmation. We we post them out based on your sacred money archetype. We journal around that. So yeah, there's different ways that we kind of pull out that stuff because it is so important to put it on repeat. Because you've already been putting it on repeat subconsciously for 20, 30 years. And it doesn't just change by like identifying it and say, you know, like, okay, you know, we got to reinforce it in many ways. And that's why I do the, you know, abundance tracker and looking every day. And we do different things uh, that are habit driven to help you change your thinking. Yeah. And I think that's so important when you're talking about trying to make it a habit because it's like anything else in life, like working out. If you're not going to work out constantly, you know, it's going to go away. Same with mindset. Like if you're not working on your mindset all the time, it's you're going to go back to what you said, like the 20 years of that subconscious behavior. Mm -hmm. So diving in a little bit about management, how do you help creatives manage their money? Well, this is where I work to convince creatives that numbers are sexy, (laughs) spreadsheets can be beautiful, and this is just how my brain works. Like, I'll naturally be like, okay, so this person, if the average, like, 
student is this much and they have this many like let's just okay so their monthly revenue should be like this is just how my brain works and it's so to me it's like numbers are so cool because they give us like they're factual they give us like really good data and so if we can get comfortable with that they can like really direct us like where to scale our company so that we are most profitable and all of that so this is where i do the work to convince again that that it's a sexy thing and can be amazing and the feedback of people going through the intensive and experiencing the money matrix is that these are like tools and ways that I can, you know, manage money from now on out. And so what I really recommend and like, let's just kind of break down the money matrix a little bit. And so your listeners can maybe have some tangible um, thoughts around this is that first we want to do understand our numbers in our business. We want to be the CFO of our business. And I talk about that a little bit. And we also want to be the CFO of our personal life. And this is where I'm different, where I'm not going to just, I don't want to just help you make more money in your business. Sure, I, I do that. That, ha- that happens, right? That naturally happens with the work in the intensive and further work that I do with people. But who cares if it doesn't actually impact your personal life? And a lot of times we don't focus, we don't focus on that piece. And that's where I'm like, I'm about helping women become wealthy making it that your business is impacting your personal money. And that's done specifically through paying yourself a, a salary, mm-hmm. paying a consistent salary. And so, yeah. So let's talk about CFO and your business. So obviously you've got P&L sheets. So most people are understanding profit and loss statements is something that you have to do. <laughs> you know this because you have to file your taxes every year. And many times people are, freaking out early April because they haven't maybe done that work all year, avoided it. And now it's time and it's a necessity. You have to do that. So P&L sheets are kind of the base level. It's the basics. And this is something that I teach people. You can outsource. You can certainly outsource to a bookkeeper, depending on the scale of your business. And, you know, I I mean, I do that. You should, you know, many times it should be something you outsource where somebody is reconciling your transactions and helping you see on a monthly basis. On an annual basis, your expenses and your revenue and your profitability and all of that. So that's like just the beginning. And here's the thing: the piano sheets are often so it's not us looking for like and strategizing for the future. It's us just sort of reconciling the past and looking at the data from the past, which is important for us moving forward. But a lot of times that's where people stop. Is like oh, I have a good idea of my numbers because of my P&L sheet. The next level is from there is what I take people into, which is like my CFO part of the matrix. And this is where I want people to understand from a present to future version of their business numbers so that they can make really strategic business decisions with their finances and for their personal life. So many times, I'm talking six-figure, multiple six-figure entrepreneurs do pay themselves very little, pay themselves, I say, little and last. <laughs> and so that what that tells our subconscious is not helpful and how that helps us show up in the world as wealthy women is also not helpful. And so that's a big goal of us working from present to future is, uh, is to be able to really strategize our salary It's also designed to help us understand and project tax payments accurately. And so I teach that every month you, based on your percentage, based on your profitability in your company, 
you save and the, the matrix shows you exactly how much to put into your tax bank account. And so if you, you know, if you're listening, this is something that you should at least at some level have an understanding of how much you should put aside and do it monthly. And your accountant might encourage you, hey, you just, you just have been doing, you know, annual, we want to move you to quarterly. And I say strategize for the quarters by saving monthly. And don't even like pretend like move it out of your bank account every month. We cre- I create CFO rhythms and a whole bank account strategy. And so, but like put it aside, open a separate bank account, put tax payments aside. And one of the biggest mistakes that Brett and I made early in entrepreneurship was that we had an unexpected $18,000 tax bill. Mm. And it was because it wasn't that we didn't save for taxes, but the problem is that, and as your listeners are learning to dare to like move and scale and do daring things, like you're going to scale your company, which means your profitability is going to go up, which means your tax payment's going to go up. So you shouldn't save for what you did last year. You have to know what you're going to do this year. So we make sure we strategize tax. And then we do, like I said, salary. This also helps us to see really like where are we putting our money and where should we put our money to get greater ROI? Many times people have a lot of fear in reinvesting back into their business and that they'd rather just sort of sit on the cash. And I, I always, and this is like the beginning of my investment strategy is like, how can you make your money work for you more? And so obviously my like world wouldn't exist if people didn't put money back into their business and hire educators, hire coaches, hire people and I believe there's significant ROI on that and a huge thing too is and it's and particularly in the wedding industry we have such fluctuation mm-hmm. you know many times like for me as a photographer we I, I made most of my money in seven months of the year six months of the year so a lot of people are like well how do I pay myself a consistent salary how can I you know if I only make money a majority in that time but if we strategize and we plan you can pay yourself very consistently no matter what the fluctuations are in your or in your income and in your in your industry. So and then the huge piece that we do is projections. So we don't just look at what you have on the books or what are safe numbers. Okay, I booked, you know, I can say I have this many. And a lot of times in the wedding industry, which I know you your audience is specifically sort of the creatives in that field, is you know, you can see like, oh, I have stuff out six months from now, you know, a year from now. And so I want people to like see that and see their, that flow and then plan for more. So what are you wanting to realistically yet stretching do beyond that and put it on your books. So we create projections. We do this for a full year. I like to see a full year scope and then you're going to be so much more likely to hit those goals and projections when you have now written it down what we're like 50% more likely to do something if we write it down or something crazy like that I don't know the exact stat but then like if you strategize against that money and that money is now going to pay off your debt that money is now going to help you get your first house or you know whatever it would be you're going to be way more motivated to make those things happen in your business and the last piece in being the CFO is you understand your cash flow do you understand your bank account balance, what it will be at the beginning and at the end of the month? And like, then how can we, what do we do with that? And that kind of thing. And then the CFO, I, I went kind of in depth there. So we'll keep it like light for the personal is just really understanding 
how much do I need to live every month? What's my budget? And I'm telling you, most people don't. I, there's a stat 65% of American families don't know how much they spend in a month. Mm-hmm. So it's, I just, if people are listening, like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, you don't have this, have this. Like you're not alone, but like even your willingness to, to hear this and to listen and to like step into this is like amazing. And then strategizing your short term. So vacation gifts, different things like that, that often doesn't, isn't stuff we spend down monthly and then creating your financial goals. So like, what do you want to do? Is it that, and I talk through all different types of financial goals that we should have, one of them being investing because as entrepreneurs, don't have a 401k we don't have a retirement plan so I want to help people live the life they're living now expand that lifestyle so have an upgraded lifestyle and work towards wealth and strategy for long-term wealth and of course for me that's been in real estate and that's what I teach but that can be you know lots of different places so that's a little bit on management side I could go forever hopefully that's a good recap Definitely. And just a little bit on what you touched there at the end, like what are some investments that creatives should be focusing on, you know, having their businesses fund? Like you said, a lot of us come from corporate jobs that had 401ks and then all of a sudden you're a creative business with no health benefits and no 401k and no retirement plan. Like where should creatives start looking at and the ways to invest? Yeah, this is such a big question, I feel like. And I like to create principles around money and then, you know, I'm like, okay. And like, I'm not a huge hard and fast rules person. I mean, I have some for sure, but so I think every personality is different. Every person is different. Some of my strategies around, and I'm not like a guru around investing. Obviously I'm bent towards real estate. So I want to claim that, but some first things that you want to do is you want to make sure that you're debt free and uh, besides your house, home mortgage. And you want to make sure you have savings. That's what I would, that's my first financial goals for people because that, those just have to be foundational to uh, then have an overflow of money that you put into investment. And then from there, right, sometimes our money can best serve us by reinvesting it back into the business, depending on our ROI there. Like I, I many times I'm bullish. I would rather like reinvest in stuff I'm doing in the different places than like putting it in the stock market where I might get like, you know, 8% return or something like that. I'm like, oh, I could make, I've literally calculated on like masterminds and stuff. Oh, I spent $10,000 and just from the people I met and they hired me, I made like $22,000. So that, what I bet, you know what I mean? I think about, so I think about like that, right? So um, the problem and the caveat I will say with that is do not re- keep investing back into your business without having a plan of having that increase your business to then pay you more because people will often do that and then we're never like getting to the personal wealth side of things so yeah and then I think you know beyond that I'm gonna just preach real estate because that's and there's so many different ways to make money inside of real estate but we've seen like Obviously, with big risk comes big reward, but that's been something that we, you know, our first real estate property we invested in was in 2014. And we said we could decide to take this $18,000. We had saved $18,000 from our photography business. And we said we could pay off one student loan because at that time we had like almost $100,000 of debt. Or we could buy an asset that produces enough revenue that we could pay off 
in the long run, like it could pay off for our debt. And so uh, obviously, like you could see, I just had like a couple, I'm like, pay your debt off and then invest, right? But then I invested, right? So there's always nuances to everything. But yeah, so ours been in real estate, but maybe it's like making sure that you're strategizing, retire, like you're putting away your retirement, your back's retirement every month or excuse me, every year. Maybe it is that you start to get into to hiring a, a financial advisor and you start making your money work for you in the marketplace and you're happy with that return. Maybe it's that you're investing in other companies in other ways. You're finding ways to do those things. But at least that you are thinking that way and that you're starting to actually understand your money to know this is a whole point of this is to then understand your access, understand what you have left over and you're putting those dollars to work in your life. And that's my the big thing I help people with is understanding how how to get that access through both management and mindset and business strategy so that you have money to do the right things with. Yeah, and I, I feel like what a lot of people like to do who are investing is they just want to keep it in their bank because like I can see it, it's there, it's safe, but it's not working for you in any way. And it's not going to, you know, get that wealth that other people who are investing are doing. But it's also, I think a lot of people don't know where to even start with that. They're like, it's there, but it's scary. There's so many options. And I love the the options that you gave. I think that's very insightful. But looking back, what advice would you give yourself, um, your younger self? Like, what, would you have structured anything differently? Would you have done anything differently? I probably would have jumped into entrepreneurship sooner. <laughs> Saved a lot more, like, probably not got my master's. I mean, right, everything is, like, I believe, like, happens for a reason. and We learn through the process. But I would have probably jumped into entrepreneurship sooner. And I would have invested, and I know this sounds so cliche, coming from somebody who this is what I do now, but I mean it. And Brett and I, we, we, in my intensive, we always have one call that both and I, both him and I talk, we talk about how to deal with money and relationship. And we talk about our strategy of investing in real estate and stuff. And people always ask us, well, what would you have done? You know, and truth is, is that I would have invested in coaching and education sooner. When I invested in my first coach, I went from like, an average of $600 a coaching client to $2,500 a coaching client. I mean, I basically had did what I did in revenue in a year and I sold it in the first month of the next year. And, and you know, I believe a good coach is one that like draws out your own magic. It was me with the partnership of the coach that helped me do that, right? And the same with real estate, we take on very few, but we do take on some real estate clients. So we help people scale their wealth through real estate and just some of the bypasses we could have had, some of the hard lessons, some of the knowledge we could have gained faster could have helped us scale quicker, you know, in real estate. So I, I highly recommend you figure out the skills that you need to or the blocks that you're having to get to that next level and you strategize in experts because they have had years of time to build the skills that you get to pay for and and get to attain in a much faster accelerated way i think you guys do education as well and so 
I'm probably speaking your language by saying (laughs) invest in yourself and in your education. And yeah. Yeah. I love kind of on the flip note of that. I love that you did also say earlier though, that some of us do that same thing is as our business grows, we just invest more back into the business and don't necessarily grow our own personal wealth. Like what tips do you give to creatives who kind of find themselves in that cycle of like not paying themselves more as they raise their prices because they're just inquiring more costs, you know, to go with the scalability, not necessarily growing the profit that they can then take home. It's a dance, right? It is such a dance. So like when I'm working with people, we figure out what's your base. Okay, you have, you're going to pay. So if your listeners are listening and they're like, dude, I don't pay myself anything. Figure out how to pay yourself like $500 a month. Like get into the habit, like start that energy, right? And then it's like, and one thing that will really help this habit is put it on automation. Don't rely on yourself to do it. Mm -hmm. So go into your bank account, your business. And, sh- and put on an auto pay to your personal life, to your personal checking, you know, $500. I'm just that. I mean, hopefully people are, but I just know too well that a lot of people just kind of like pull and they kind of randomly pull numbers to just survive. And it's just like, what just, what just happened? So, and then I think it's like, you have to look at the ROI of what you're investing in. And really think about it through the lens of, is this going to produce more money for me to be able to pay myself more? Or is this just like, so like, I'm going to pay three grand for a new website. Okay. A lot of people like want a new website and I'm not digging out. I have colleagues and that's great. Like, but a lot of times that you're facing business, like your website is working fine for you. You don't need a new website. Like, is, you know, is that really producing like a greater ROI that's going to ha- help you make more money and more alignment? So like really filtering your decisions of like, why am I making that decision? It doesn't it produce either more time for me to be able to go take my high hourly rate and bring more in or, you know, and it's, I teach that sweet spot. I'm not just about money. I feel like you have to be very balanced and aligned about it, but I think that's huge. And like, really, what is your need? You know, like I have invested a ton in team right now because I've had, you know, I'm 50% in this business and 50% in another. And then to order to like keep scaling and growing my business, it means I have to only do the parts that like, literally I, I can't have anybody else. like nobody else can show up in this podcast to be me. So this is like zone of genius work, but the pitching to get on your podcast, the work to market this pod, you know, all of that is team and it expands me. And so just always making those thoughts and those like decisions based on like really knowing that these, this will, pre- and obviously it's always a risk. Mm-hmm. You don't, you don't know, but you're, you're filtering it to through that. And it's not just like, yeah, like I, I want, to, I want really cool TikToks. Yeah. <laughs> like, and so I'm going to hire this video editor and this, what's, t- I'm going to take this TikTok course. Like I would filter it through, like, is that like going to produce more money for you? If money is the biggest, right? I do that too, like in my personal life. And this has been something that's really stretched me recently. So it's easier for us to outsource in our business and to be like, yeah, like, you know, the work I do in my business is like 
$300 an hour work. And so I'm going to get a VA to manage my inbox and to schedule this and that. And that's like, you know, $20 an hour work and it frees up my time and I can write. But all of a sudden, when we talk about personal, it gets like really weird. And this is again, going back to like the worthiness conversations and all this. And this is stuff like I've had to challenge myself with. If I want to be a present mom, a present friend, if I want to have fun in life and be in these two companies, it means for me, and this sounds, it sounds, it maybe sounds entitled or whatever, but it means like I need to pay someone to do my laundry and water my plants and do my dishes because I can pay somebody $20 an hour and I can then do my, you know, $500 an hour work and also be a mom and all those things. And so I love, I think that that filter of like, what's the ROI whether it's sanity and joy, you know, which is important, or this really allows me to make more money and and feedback into my personal life is really important. And you're consistently looking at the numbers and understanding and creating a plan to raise the salary based on those decisions, right? So you can actually strategize those numbers out and be like, okay, I'm now going to like slot for $1,000 a month to outsource my editing and that's going to allow me to take on these additional projects and then in four months I will raise my salary you know a thousand dollars a month and I can see that that will work with my numbers I love that well thank you so much for sharing all about daring to use our businesses to build personal wealth and business wealth we really appreciate it yay thank you so much it's been such a joy thanks for letting me nerd out with you guys Yes. So if it's all right, we'd love to go into a quick time of fast facts for our listeners to get to know you before we close out. Yes. All right. So what, Erin, is your favorite tool to use in business? Yes, you guys. I mean, my money matrix system obviously is one of my favorites because um, it's what I preach. But I also, okay, I'm going to say I love Audible. Like I really believe in consuming really helpful content and books. And in this stage of my life, I can't just sit and read. So I love having Audible and having a rhythm in the mornings when I'm getting ready to listen and consume really good content. Genius people put their all their life's work into books that cost us $15. We should read more. <laughs> definitely, definitely. What is your favorite thing to do outside of work? Boating. I love to be on my boat. We have a family, a lake house in northern Michigan. It's my favorite place on earth. Ah. I'm very jealous talking no, no, about person. Speaking <laughs> absent language. I love it. Um, what is the best education you've learned from? I know you're just talking about Audible, but is there one standout piece of education you feel like has been game changing? I would say my colleagues, my community, the people I surround myself with, being really intentional about that. I've learned so much by um having my community be one that is, and I know this is speaking their language too, that sharpens me and helps me show up at the next level. Mm-hmm. Love that. What is one daring leap you've taken in your business or life? Last year, I completely shut down what I was scaling because I wasn't in alignment and my intuition I had completely abandoned. And so the thing I put tens of thousands of dollars into and I was creating these funnels and ads and hiring these strategists and I stopped and I shut down and I said, I have to figure out what is really aligned, which has helped me move into this space now. Scary, but like such hard, beautiful work to do. Never abandon your intuition. (laughs) Yes, so true. 
And what is one thing you feel like you're great at in your business? Helping people understand like a complex thing like funny, making it really approachable and asking really good questions, holding space for people in that. Perfect. And then where can our listeners find you? I'm most active on Instagram. So that's the place I love to hang out. So follow me there. I'm sure it'll be in the show notes, but at E-R-I-N-N underscore Bridgman, B-R-I-D-G-M-A-N. My name's felt weird, so that's why it's got to be in the show notes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so that's the best place. And I love, I'm super relational. So I love being in the DMs. If you follow me, you're going to probably get DMs. Let's talk. Like, let's be real people. Love it. And do you have any special announcements or offers for our listeners today? Yes, I would love, I know we talked about this, but I would love, love, love to get them the Wealthy Woman Workshop. And that I'll sure be in the show notes as well, but it's a training and it's helping you really tackle the things that we've talked about today. How can I think, plan and show up like a wealthy woman? And so it's completely free. It's video trainings, worksheets, really, really amazing content. So let's give them that. Yes, that's amazing. And then in closing, what is one thing you want to dare our listeners to do after listening to your episode? Create one specific money goal that you can achieve in the next 60 days and have it be a specific number. Love it. That's such a great dare. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast with us today, Erin. We really appreciate it. Thanks, girls. Thanks so much for having me. Erin just gave us so many great tangible tips on how we should be managing our money, our mindset, and even just how to invest our money into another project. There were so many good nuggets in there. Yes, I loved how she talked about how as we level up our businesses, sometimes we just tend to level up our spending on education and putting it back in the business. I'm definitely guilty of that. And so I just love her tip on that. If you're making more in your business, you should also be making more in your personal life. You should be building your own personal wealth with it. Yes, and I loved her dare on just thinking about maybe putting down a goal in 60 days, a money goal, and actually hitting that. So we definitely dare you to take that. And we hope that this episode was enlightening and it continues to provide helpful information. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, or just send us a DM on Instagram. Don't forget to use our code DARE to develop all caps for one free roll of PV signature process and scans and access PhotoVision's full library of photography tips at photovisionprints.com. Thanks so much for joining us today on DARE to develop. We'd love for you to subscribe and leave us a review if you love today's episode. Don't forget to check out the show notes at DARE to develop podcast.com and follow along on IG at DARE to develop. Catch us next week for more fun as we hear from creatives who have dared greatly in their businesses and develop community along the way.